and welcome to episode 96 of McChesney Unchained on dnvr.com. Make sure you go to dnvr underscore sports and follow all the great shows and all the great content down at dnvr. And when the world opens back up, uh, get back, get your ass down to Colfax uh, and support the, the bar down there at DNVR. It's a pretty special place. So uh, we are doing the show in the, in the basement here, the, the Six Zero Studios, as they say. Uh, speaking of Six Zero, we have moved the facility and we open up on January 4th. The new facility is at 10470, that 470 South Progress Way in, in Parker, Colorado. It's a huge warehouse. Um, we're pretty excited about it, so we'll be opening there on January 4th and rolling, um, and it, it should be uh, relatively beneficial for everybody. It's closer to a lot of the players, and I think that it'll be uh, really good for the business moving forward. So pretty excited about 6-0 strength uh, and 6-0 football academy moving forward. We had a lot of guys uh, sign on National Signing Day. Uh, that was special, so we will go over that list a little later in the show as we talk about college football. Uh, my coach and the great coach for the Golden Colorado Buffaloes, Mr. Gary Barnett, will be joining us later in the show to talk about the Buffaloes and their bowl bid with uh, the University of Texas and the Alamo Bowl, which I think is big time. Talk about the Pac-12 and some, you know, I have some pretty strong feelings about the conference. I know there's a lot of people out there that also have strong feelings. Uh, so we'll talk to Coach Barnett about all that uh, and the Alamo Bowl, and we'll wrap up the season and talk about the future with a lot of those guys uh, possibly coming back next year. And then we'll talk about your Denver Broncos and that monstrosity of a football game that we saw on Sunday, uh, and of course the NFL as a whole. Um, but right off the bat here on episode 96, McChesney Unchained, remember you can always follow the show at Six Zero Academy on Twitter and Instagram. And then at DNVR Unchained on Twitter as well for the show. Um, I should open up McChesney's Sportbook because last week I hit a, a three three player parlay to score in one game for about eleven thousand, and this week I hit a four player parlay to score in one game for sixteen thousand. So uh, Christmas, like I said last week on episode nine five. Christmas and the McChesney household is bomb this year. We are opening presents upon presents. Um, and I cannot wait for the games to start this weekend. And I'm telling you, if they're going to allow me to just pick players uh, that are going to score in the same game and I can make money doing this, it is like fucking stealing. So, uh, I don't know. McChesney Sportsbook might be opening up here pretty soon if things keep rolling uh, the way they've been rolling. Uh, it's like a, another small business for the big guy. All right, let's get into this. Uh, episode 96 rolls. Um, I got to start off with the NFL as a whole and the passing of Kevin Green. Uh, Kevin Green at 58 years old, the NFL Hall of Famer and the, the great pass rusher third all-time in sacks, 160 total, uh, has a heart attack and slips in his bathroom or wherever he was and hits his head, and that's a wrap. And uh, – I was talking to Willie Anderson, who's on the docket for the Hall of Fame this year. He played with him at Auburn. And they were really good friends and battled a lot for Cincinnati for as long as he did. And he's just devastated. The entire NFL community is devastated. Kyle Turley and I spoke for, about it for a long time. And, you know, it, it, Kevin's about as positive and about as good shape as you can be for 58 years old. So, man, uh, didn't see that one coming. No one did. Um, 
I would have liked to see the Steelers play with a little bit more vigor on Monday Night Football, trying to honor that man because he was a great Steeler. But one, one of the most ferocious pass rushers of all time, a guy who really doesn't get added on a lot of those lists of all-time greats, but, I mean, Kevin Green's a bad man. So if you get a chance to go watch him, watch some of his highlights, go on YouTube and watch that guy play. Uh, but NFL lost a, a great player and a great man, a leader, and a guy who uh, who really affected a lot of players as he was a coach afterwards always trying to give back and uh it, it just sucks losing somebody at that that age so take care of yourself out there and uh, hug your family this christmas because i know the greens are hurting so uh nfl as a whole let's get into it um baltimore is pretty good if they can get into the playoffs they'll be scary you know lamar jackson and this idea that he struggles throwing the ball i think that they struggle trying to figure out what to run because damn near everything works i mean you could almost run him every play and pick up six, eight, ten yards. I mean, he's almost unstoppable if you do it correctly, and especially with the tight ends across the middle and the deep threat to, to Brown. Makes me wonder why they didn't go after Antonio Brown and try and get that guy in-house just to have another receiving threat. They need another receiving threat up there. I like Des Bryant getting his touchdown, but, uh, you, you know, that's a good story, but he's not an elite receiver anymore, although it is great to see him overcome. You know, guy hasn't played in three years. I thought he was done, and shit, he's catching touchdowns, so good for him. Um, if Baltimore gets in, they are going to be they, no one wants Baltimore to get in. Everybody wants the Colts or the Dolphins to hold on to that last playoff spot. And Baltimore needs help, so we'll see if they get in because they've absolutely mollywhopped uh, Jacksonville on Sunday. Now, like I said, Pittsburgh shut down their leg on Monday Night Football. Who would have thought that the Jets and the Steelers would have lost this weekend to two teams that are picking in the top five? Uh, my Jets got a win, though, and I, I can't sit there and complain about that. I mean, I, I'm not going to, like, bitch about not getting Trevor Lawrence. The whole name of the game in the NFL is to win, um, and you don't want to go winless. So, Jacksonville, I hope they win another game. I mean, but shit, man. I mean, 1-15 one, one and 0-16, and oh and it's different. <laughs> it is. You're not going to be on that list of 0-16 oh teams when they talk about winless teams. You're not going to be on the list anymore. So, congrats suck but you don't suck as bad as some other teams have sucked but they do suck they're terrible um speaking of terrible pittsburgh's offense the last three weeks has been atrocious big ben looks big ben looks like he might be at the end of his playing days at 38 years old i don't see how pittsburgh is going to be able to go on the road and beat anybody in the playoffs with that kind of anemic offensive system so we'll see uh kansas city goes on the road beats new orleans I, this was the game that, that hit for me. I had uh, Latavius Murray, Alvin Kamara, Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I could pick those four guys and bet 500 bucks and win 16 grand. What? I can do that? I'm just going to keep doing that shit, too. Trust me, every weekend, I'll just keep raking that shit in. Um, but it was a great game. It could be a Super Bowl preview, although – if Drew Brees plays like that, they're not getting out of the NFC. So, you know, he's coming back off 11 broken ribs. I'd imagine he'll be a little rusty. Um, Kansas or uh, New Orleans, just like Green Bay, seems to have problems with really good teams, and Kansas City surely that. I wouldn't be surprised if they finish 15-1. and one. And I don't know how you're going to go to Kansas City and win an arrowhead right now. It's not the old Chiefs where they are almost guaranteed to shit down their leg and arrowhead. Uh, this team is good. So – 
we'll see what Kansas City does, but they're definitely going to be the one seed in the AFC. They're running away with it. And uh, any road is going to have to go through Kansas City in the AFC. The Titans handled Detroit at home. Um, Tannehill goes off, had a great game. But King Henry is going to win the rushing title for the second consecutive year. He had multiple touchdowns again. Um, he should be in the in the MVP talk, but, you know, it. I get it. It's a quarterback-dominated reward. Uh, but think about this. There's only been, like, three guys in history that have gone back-to-back consecutive rushing titles. LT did it in 06 and 07. He's in Canton. Emmett Smith did it in 91, 92, and 93. Holy shit. He's in Canton, obviously, the all-time leading rusher. Uh, Eric Dickerson did it with the Rams in 83 and 84, So, and they're all in Canton. So there's other guys that have won multiple rushing titles, just not back-to-back. It looks like King Henry is going to win that back-to-back title, and you've got to think, judging by the way people vote for the Hall of Fame, he's going and on, and on his way to there, to the Hall of Fame, and he doesn't take huge hits. He delivers hits. So I, God knows how long Henry's going to run because – people don't want to tackle that big son bitch. He is just a load, man. And he, his stiff arm is something vicious. So if you stick your nose in there and hit him, he'll other back. Maybe somebody needs to talk to Steve Atwater about how to deal with big backs. The Nigerian nightmare turned into the Nigerian wet dream pretty fucking quick on Monday night football after Steve whipped his ass. Christian Okoye disappeared. So, I'm not saying King Henry's going to disappear, but maybe Von Bell from Cincinnati needs to go put a licking on him. By the way, Juju, erase your TikTok, bro. You can't go dance and do all that coordinated bullshit and then show up and not play well and have your offense look that terrible. Oh, yeah, and get absolutely murked at the at the logo that you're fucking dancing on in Cincinnati. Good team to pick. Pick Cleveland. You guys run Cleveland. Cincinnati actually gives Pittsburgh problems. I mean, they hate y'all. So Von Bell was not fucking around the other night. And I'm telling you, uh Juju Schuster needs to really he really needs to figure his shit out, man. I mean, uh, the 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 goal is not to be TikTok famous. The goal is to go to the Hall of Fame. You play for the Steelers. I mean Act right, bro. You guys have lost two in a row. Stop with all the shenanigans. You deserve to get your teeth knocked out on Monday Night Football. I'm so glad Von Bell did that shit. That was awesome. Good for the Bengals getting that win. Um, All right, so staying in the AFC, the Dolphins eliminated New England. Um, The only reason I bring this up is because, look, man, I played for the the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Broncos, and I don't know if you're going to find three fan bases and franchises that hate New England or respect them more, uh, probably both hate and respect. Uh, but think about this. First time since 2008 they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, I was actually on that Dolphin team that won the division in 2008, and Tom Brady didn't play. Matt Castle was quarterback, and they won 11 games, and so did we, and we just happened to win the tiebreaker. Um, and they didn't get into the playoffs with 11 wins that year, um, and we didn't get out of the wild card round. Baltimore beat the shit out of us in the wild card round. Um, but think about this, 19 or 20 years, they win the East. Uh, you're never going to see that again. That is absolute domination. I understand it's in a bad division, but you still have to win it every year. And you still have to go take care of your business. And that's how you get nine Super Bowl trips and six titles. And uh, I hope New England liked it because that shit is over. The ship has sailed. And unless you figure out a way to go get one of these premier quarterbacks, 
this year they're going to be searching for a guy just like the Broncos are going to be searching for one after next year if Drew Locke can't figure it out. So do they go get Matt Stafford? Does Cam Newton stay there? I don't think so. I think Bill Belichick is, is done with that experiment. Not being able to throw the ball doesn't look too fun. Um, but the New England's offense is terrible, um, and it's just not going to work. You know, the Tim Tebow for a week, but after that, that shit isn't going to work anymore. So um, I think Cam's probably done unless he wants to go be a backup, which he's probably too proud to do that. But his bank account shouldn't be hurting. So best of luck to Cam Newton. Uh, he, was, he was a pretty good pro. Not a Hall of Famer, but he was a good pro. Um, all right, NFC. Uh, Green Bay looked bored against Carolina. You know, Carolina is like playing hard for Matt Rule, but they look bored as hell. Uh, Seattle goes on the road and beats Washington. Um, the only reason I really bring this up is because, number one, Russell Wilson is is dynamite on the road in December and in the playoffs, and they're going to be a really hard out like they always are. But Dwayne Haskins, I mean, dude, look, man, I know you're just some stupid-ass second-year quarterback, and – you don't really get it, and you're on the sideline like yucking it up and laughing while Alex Smith is standing there looking like he wants to murder someone behind his mask. I can just see it in his eyes on TV, and you're over there yucking it up on the sideline. And then to find out that your stupid fucking ass was at a strip club? I mean, come on, dude. Just Haskins. I understand it was after the game, and you're cutting loose, but you still are in the season. You're still trying to play for the division. I... <laughs> I, if I was Ron Rivera, I wouldn't play this kid again. I'll find somebody else to play quarterback. Just go sit back down. Just enjoy your paycheck because that's obviously all you're here for. NFL means not for long. It looks like Dwayne Haskins is on the, uh, the, the latter end of that one. I mean, how dumb can you be? Trust me, you don't want to go to strip clubs during COVID. I mean, shit, bro. I don't know a lot of – look, I don't know a lot of strip clubs that are real clean anyway, but – during COVID, you're just going to go in there and just start serving your money up to get sick on top of getting herpes? You nasty bastard. God, dude, Dwayne Haskins, put your shit away. You don't get to play anymore. If I was one of his teammates, bro, I'd be like, dude, 20 feet away, pole time. Stay the fuck away from me. How'd, how'd Crystal Ball treat you at the, at the Chandelier Club? Probably not very good. The the Rams lost to the goddamn Jets. <laughs> if you thought your weekend was bad, uh, go be the number one defensive football and have the Jets walk into town and just absolutely dominate you on, on national TV. Um, you, you know, uh, that's one of those numbers you look at on FanDuel and and uh, DraftKings and go, shit, that's a that's – that's plus fifteen hundred if you take, you know, put a hundred bucks on the Jets winning. I mean, look, man, anybody that parlayed Cincinnati and New York to win this weekend, you you know more than I do because I didn't take that bet. Uh, I'll just stick with the whoever scores touchdowns thing that that's working for me. But uh, look, the Jets have a win. That's great. This this makes me really question the Rams, to be completely honest with you. Great teams don't lose to winless teams this deeper in the season. I mean, that's terrible. Um, Arizona got a big win against Philadelphia in the Oklahoma quarterback battle. Carson Wentz is out. And this is going to take us into our Buffalo and Denver talk because it all wraps around the quarterback position. Carson Wentz, Matt Stafford, Sam Darnold, all these rookies – we're not going to get the top two or three rookies. We're, you know, they'll pick somewhere. I hope they lose their last two games, to be completely honest with you. 
um, just lose them. So you get a higher draft pick. Yeah, you won your game against Carolina, woohoo. And then you got boat race against Buffalo. You got boat race so bad, I don't even want to do the turning point. Here's the turning point. Go take a shit in the cup and look at it. That's what it looked like on Sunday. And then throw that away, and there's the turning point for the weekend. Hopefully they give us something to work with this weekend, and, and we can actually get back on it. Because 48 points, I understand it's not all on the defense, and everybody doesn't want to hear about it, and who cares, but I care. 48 points is not acceptable, bro. I don't care who you're playing. You're in the NFL, and you're supposed to have a defensive coach. So – there's a lot of questions that have to get answered. That's not, I'm not worried about the coaching and all that, just the quarterback. So if I'm looking at Carson Wentz and Stafford and Sam Darnold and all these guys, including, including Drew Locke, what do all these guys have in common? They can't play behind bad offensive lines, number one. I don't know a whole lot of quarterbacks that can, but there's some that can. I see Kyler Murray plays behind a pretty substandard offensive line every weekend, and they're in the playoff hunt. You know, the 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 kid from Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts, who just got his his start this week in a second one for Philadelphia. Philadelphia's offense looks a lot better with him in the back in the in the backfield being able to run and take advantage of yards rather than Carson Wentz back there patting the ball and looking downfield trying to get shots. So all these guys hold the ball and all these guys look for big plays and none of them can really run except Sam Donald against the Broncos, of course, for 60 yards. And it, these are the replacements for Drew Locke? I, is Carson Wentz going to walk in here and pull the Philly magic out of his ass? Why couldn't he do it in Philadelphia? I mean, at this point, I don't even care if, if Drew Locke is, is the future. I just – I'm tired of the conversation. I'm tired of, like, the, the fucking wave. I talked about this last week. Riding the wave of the Denver Broncos quarterback – shit over the last five years is ex just pick a guy and let's go play football and hit we'll either win or we'll lose but that's it uh, you're rolling with drew lock at the end of next year they're gonna have to figure out if they want to extend him and next year halfway through the season if they're playing football and they're doing a good job and they're winning football games he's getting extended regardless of what he's done up to this point so I don't really care that he's taking a loss. I care that it's either four touchdowns and no picks and they're beating the shit out of someone or they are getting boat raced. There is no close game in Denver anymore. Their close game was with the Jets, who won a game. I mean, the Miami game was close with an anemic Miami offense. Where was the defense? Where, where was that defense yesterday? So... When you're talking about the Denver Broncos, it's look, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I'm not going to linger on 48 point, 48 to 19 is what it is. They have to learn from it. You get your guys back next year. Bradley Chubb's a pro bowler. Simmons is a pro bowler. That's great. Run with Drew Locke. Support him with the running game. Play good defense. Keep the coaching staff intact. These other quarterbacks are not the answer. That's just more questions. And you're just starting over. I'm done starting over at the quarterback position in Denver. All right, episode 96 rolls here, McChesney Unchained. We bring on my coach, uh, the great coach Gary Barnett here, joining us here in episode 96, and it is an, an honor and a pleasure to bring him on. Coach, how you doing? Uh, said you're COVID-free, and that's a good thing. 
Uh, welcome to the show, and it's an honor and a pleasure to bring you on McChesney Unchained. Hey, thanks, Matt. I'm, uh, I'm proud of all the stuff you're doing, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. We're in Arizona, and, uh, you know, I just uh, go to the golf course, and, and then I come home, and that's all I do every single day. So, And, uh, you know, I go on ESPN in the morning, look and see what's going on in college football, and I watch every college football game that's on, and uh, my life's pretty simple. Well, that's a good thing. And, and Coach, uh, it's, a, it's an honor to have you on the show. Let's dive right into the Colorado Buffaloes. They draw Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Carl Durrell is Coach of the Year. You won that award in 01 when we won the Big 12. And then in 04 uh, when we played for the Big 12 and, and Oklahoma got in our way. And then Broussard wins Player of the Year, first time since Chris Brown won that award in 02. So that's an 18-year drought and then a 16-year drought for Coach of the Year. Um, just talk about those guys winning those awards and, and then uh, wrap that into just your overall view of 2020 before we get into the future. Yeah, well, Carl winning the award is, uh, you know, is just amazing considering this crazy year, as we all know. But, but in college football, it's even crazier than everybody else's life because um, – you know, his situation coming in, uh, he wasn't the first hire, first pick, first choice. I know that. I wasn't the first choice either. But but then he gets in and he has no spring football. Uh, and, and then he has to somehow find a way to organize uh, the activities, practices, the staff, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and so it's, it's been a challenge for every head coach, but it's really a challenge for a new guy who really hasn't been in college now for a while. He hasn't been around. It's been in the NFL with men, uh, responsible men. And now all of a sudden he's in with a bunch of Matt McChesney's. So he's, he's, got, <laughs> he's got a different life all of a sudden, <laughs> as you know, uh, or as you can remember. So to think that he held that all together, uh, and then starts the season, finally get to start the season. And, and uh, I'm sure you've gone over the protocols that these kids have had to go through, but they test uh, six times, six days a week, twice on Thursdays. They also do a test for the, for the uh, Pac-12 one day a week, and they do one or two tests for the university um, uh, during the week. So, and that starts at 6 a.m. in the morning. They get their food delivered to them. Uh, you know, nobody sits down and has a meal. Everything's wrapped up. Uh, they live in, in a, not in a dorm with other people. They live in a hotel just with only other athletes. Uh, they're in a bubble. And for them to maintain any kind of rigidity and, and, um, you know, motivation and all that sort of never seeing their parents, uh, et cetera. It's been amazing so far. So for Carl to hold that together and then go in and do what he did to, uh, to uh, UCLA and Stanford and to a good uh, San Diego state team uh, and then, then hang on with Arizona, uh, it, you know, it's just amazing. And to have the guys play, you know, Broussard step up. Landon was going to be a great player no matter who the coach was. There's no True. question. Um, but Broussard, who's this guy? And then, to me, the most amazing job has been with Sam Neuer because Sam Neuer was a guy who 
you know, Matt, when he did play, he messed in his britches. And, you know, he was – no one thought that he would be the quarterback here or could be the quarterback here. So a combination of Carl, uh, Durrell, Darren Cheverini, and I think Danny Lansdorf, the quarterback coach, has done an amazing job with him because it, he, what he does, in my opinion, he anticipates, uh, which we haven't had for a number of years here. Um, he's, a, he's a leader anyway, just his personality. But I think that's new for, for us at CU. So, um, you know, to me, that's been the, the job that was really done really well. And, um, you know, Carl certainly deserves the award he has. Landman certainly deserves the award. I know Sam got, I think, second team, which he certainly yep. deserves. You know, I think we all thought that this team might be a really good team in 2021, but there's going to, you know, nobody really knew who was going to step in and play in the off the offensive line we thought would be better. But we didn't know uh, in a bunch of areas what it was going to be like, especially the secondary and the receiver core. And now you know, the receiver core is as strong as anybody's in college football, I believe. Um, they, when they lost Brady Russell, they lost a big piece of that, that team because okay. they finally were utilizing a tight end. He was a good blocker and didn't just lose him. They lost a couple of guys at that position. So all of a sudden now they're playing with fourth and fifth string guys that really had no idea they were even going to play this year. So it's been an amazing job, I think, uh, for CU, for Rick George, for them to stay as healthy as they have. Uh, they've had a couple of cases that it's cost them some guys, but they've been ready to play every week, and not everybody can say that. Amen to that. Uh, the great coach, Gary Barnett, joins us here on episode 96 with Chesney Unchained. You can obviously hear Coach Barnett uh, with Mark Johnson. They do an unbelievably good job uh, as they bring you the, the, all the games uh, on the radio. So, Coach, let's talk about the coaching staff a little bit more because a lot of these guys were on your staff. And Coach Wilson is now back in Boulder. He, he, the full circle, the gambit of coaching. I just talked to him yesterday on the phone. He's bringing in one of my guys I work with and to, to the, the fold this year and Hagen's on the staff. And I know, you know, coach Shiv from your days coaching there and who else is on that staff that you're close with. And then do you think that all that, all those guys knowing each other and having that realization of what Colorado is, you think it's helped this year and how do you think it's going to help with recruiting? Um, well, or, I think you said a key thing. I think knowing what Colorado is, is, is really critical because it's different than, than a lot of places. And, you know, you, you can't go in and say, oh, man, I wish we had this or I wish people did that or I wish we had a full house or this or that. Once you start doing that, you, you build up resentment and all of a sudden you can't do the job you're there to do. But let's start with Wilson because I, um, as you know, and I know you have a lot of respect for Chris Wilson. but uh, He's like I, a father to me, Coach. I went out to uh, I went out to practice, and I didn't get to see very many practices. But I went out to practice, and I saw this first or second time that these guys were all dealing with Chris Wilson on the field. And Lance Carl was there, and he was the uh, really the, the the AD for football. And I went over to Lance. I said, "These guys ain't been coached like this ever." And he said, "That's just what I was thinking because." As you know, he takes no prisoners. 
it, you either do it this way and you do it the right way. And, uh, you know, there's no pampering. There's no, uh, he gets it done. And, and I, uh, I, you know, I, I, those guys played hard and they played well all year. And I think because of Chris and Darian Hagan's just been a mainstay, you know, he is Colorado. Uh, Cheverini the same way, just the fact of knowing what Colorado is and, uh, that's important. I think Danny Landsdorf's been a great addition. I think the offensive line coach has been a great addition. I think they're a better offensive line really than awesome. they have been. You know, and so, um, you know, I think up and down, they've done a really good job. And to think that, you know, the five or six new guys, now Chris wasn't new because he'd been there before, but the other guys that come in for the first time, first time coaching at Colorado, and to make the transition – the way they did, I think is remarkable. All right, coach. So finished four and one. They, they missed out on the Pac-12 title game, losing that game to, to Utah. And then, you know, SC beating UCLA the way they did. Uh, makes, me, makes me think that that Utah game can gain some traction at the end of the year. It's not going to feel the same as it did with years of resentment when we, we, you know, like we have with Nebraska, but it's getting there. Um, how cool is it to see – the matchup with Texas. I mean, I, I have no love loss for, for UT and I know you don't, um, but those were always, you knew you were in a dogfight when you had to play the Texas Longhorns. So it's good to see them playing another big 12 foe and that'll get us into the PAC 12 talk here at the end of the conversation. Yeah. You know, uh, Texas is, uh, as you said, uh, no love loss, but a lot of respect for, uh, for that Man. program, for their athletes, for, uh, what it's like to, uh, you know, what they built, their culture, all that. I, I think we all really respect that. Um, I, I want to go back to the Utah game. I think what Utah represents in some ways is what we need to get to. That's a culture of defense. It's a culture of toughness. It's a culture of physicality. And, uh, you know, I'm not totally uh, – you know, with Carl enough to know exactly what he wants or, or how he sees that comparison. But you and I know that that's the kind of team we were, and that's the kind of yes. team we want. Now, I don't know what Carl wants for sure, but, but I think that team and its physicality will give us the kind of, um, you know, battles that we had with with Nebraska and the kind of respect that we had for Nebraska and the kind of, um, you know, fever that we had for playing Nebraska. And I think that could happen. I think you're right on that sort of thing. So UT Alamo bowl. I talked to coach Wilson about the recruiting aspect of going back to Texas and playing in San Antonio. It's one of the games that I actually think are going to get played. They're not screwing around in Texas. You know, half the, half the state doesn't even believe COVID's real. <laughs> so I, I definitely think they're going to play. Um, do you think that they can go out that this is the kind of game in the past, you know, coach, I hate to say this, I'm 40 years old now, and we haven't won a bowl game in Boulder since I was a senior. So when you were on the sideline. So do you think that the streak ends with, with them playing Texas? And, and how do they get that win uh, if, if you think it, it could happen? Well, I, I, I think if it, it's a good year to get Texas, uh, with the exception of that quarterback, is a great player. 
And if he plays yeah, well, he they win. If he doesn't play well, they lose. They literally uh, win or lose based on how Sam Ellinger plays. And, um, you know, they've, they've just had a number of guys opt out for the uh, – I mean, it shows you what kind of talent that they have there. They're probably going to play without seven or eight guys that are going to go in the NFL. And they've got, probably got another 15 that, that will go. So uh, we're playing a really talented team, even though those guys are out. But it's a good year to catch them. I mean, CU is not at their high, at, at where they're going to be uh, right now, and I don't think Texas is where they're going to be right now. So it's a good it's a good time to play a name institution and a respected national program like Texas. I think it's as good a time as we can get them right now. Well, I'm excited about it. That's for damn sure. Uh, next year's schedule a little bit. I wanted to get your thoughts on the the seven potential home games, uh, assuming COVID doesn't destroy 2021. And then the, get your thoughts on the Pac-12 before we get you out of here. The great coach Gary Barnett joining us here on episode 96. Remember to check out everything at DNVR underscore sports. All right, so next year, they open up Northern Colorado at home. I, I wouldn't be surprised with all the shuffling we saw uh, this year with, with football games if, if they try and replace that with a bigger game. Lord knows. Uh, if not, I know UNC loves coming to Boulder. That's uh, a good paycheck for them. Texas A&M then comes back into Boulder, an old Big 12 game. Minnesota comes to Boulder. Oregon comes to Boulder. SC comes to Boulder. Washington comes to Boulder. And then Arizona comes to Boulder, and they're on the road in the other Pac-12 games for the other four. That's setting up for seven big-time games in Folsom next year with a team that could be returning a lot of guys as there's not a lot of guys leaving for the NFL, in my opinion, and I think a lot of them might be coming back next year and taking advantage of that NCAA waiver because of COVID. Is this setting up for them to have a pretty pretty awesome run in 2021? Yeah, I agree. The COVID's going to be easier to beat and win over than that schedule, though. That They, they yeah. have got – I mean, you, you realize A&M should be a playoff team. Uh, yep. Minnesota lost four or five of their best players. Minnesota's a good football team, and they're well coached. Uh, McCaffrey at, uh, at UNC, Ed and his son now playing quarterback for him. He's a kickback from Michigan. Uh, so this schedule sets up to be really one of the all-time schedules at, at Colorado in the last 15 or 20 years. So it's, uh, you know, it should sell season tickets. We got to get everybody to get their vaccine, their vaccination so that they can go to the games. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't matter. It does. It sets up for an absolutely great challenge. And so uh, getting a number of those players back, um, if they do decide to stay, and I haven't kept up totally on it, if, if they can keep Landman, they can keep Mustafa Johnson. Um, if they can keep really a number of those guys, uh, you, you know, it's, it's going to set up for a really great year of college football in Boulder. I am damn excited about it. Last question for, for you, Coach, before we get you out of here and back to the golf course. Um, the Pac-12. I, I'm not going to sit here and dwell on the first 10 years when they're trying to rebuild the program and the Embo thing, and that's not what we're talking about. COVID has been hard on everybody. Everyone's been, had game canceled and, and been inconvenienced. Handled it pretty well. Still, there's a lot of people in Boulder who think that the Pac-12, and I've heard this from about 10 different people in the media, 
uh, and just people around the uh, around Denver, they're treating us like we're a bunch of hillbillies. Now, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. We used to hit the Pac-12 in the mouth back in the day. Um, I think that when CU gets back to their consistent ways of recruiting, knowing what we talked about earlier here in the interview, uh, but then also their consistent ways of winning instead of just having one good year every five, the Pac-12 South is right for the picking. So do you think that this push to like somehow get out of the Pac-12, which I don't think is realistic, is even worth it or should everybody just embrace where we're at and move forward? Well, uh, you know, Matt, personally, I think that there's, if you took the four teams that left and you put them in a room, I think three of those teams would, should go back to the, back to, to the, to the uh, Big 12. I don't think Colorado should. It's a, it's a, good, it's a better match for us. It's, it's more of a culture versus culture match for us than, than, the, than the Big 12 is or was. Uh, but I think if you took Missouri, A&M, and Nebraska and said, you guys want to go back, they'd go, yeah. And, and Colorado, I don't think we need to go back. I think we're, we're, we're right where we should be. Uh, there was, you know, even back when I was there, there was talk of us going in, and I didn't, I didn't disagree with that too much. But um, I, I think that uh, we, we, we are redheaded stepchildren for, to a degree. I mean, we, we're Johnny-come-latelys, right, to that league. But now Utah has said, hey, <laughs> we're coming right now. We just haven't done that. And if we had to come in with the same force and, and the same consistency and coaching staffs, I mean, right. I mean, that's been, that's killed us over the years. Number of coaches that we've had, we've had no consistency. So, and then I'm not saying that because of me, I'm saying that just because all the other guys as well, which you mentioned a little bit, but no, we're in a good spot. And uh, I think, and if we can, you know what we did, uh, Matt, we made people change the way they practice when they played us. They all of a sudden had to, practice physically well when you play Utah you have to do that now and when you play Stanford you have to do that a little bit now uh, and so if we can be one of those teams that everybody has to change the way they practice before they play us because change isn't easy and change isn't good for them then then we'll get back to having an advantage the great coach Gary Barnett thank you so much for coming on the show coach uh, just Personally, I, uh, you know, I, I just can't thank you enough for everything you've done for that place and continue to do for it. And I love the fact that I can turn on the game every Saturday and listen to you and Mark in there. And, and it takes me back to, you know, <laughs> getting yelled at. And figure <laughs> it out. Meetings. Play the B gap. Let's go. <laughs> you one on one. Go to class. <laughs> hey, bud, proud of you. Uh, Good to be with you. you. Oh, I love you so much. And uh, thank you for all you do. And uh, keep swinging that nine iron down there in Arizona. All right, buddy. Great being with you. No, go buffs. Go buffs. All right, episode 96 rolls. Uh, such an honor and a pleasure to have on my former coach. All five years, I had the same position coach and the same head coach at the University of Colorado. We were just talking about consistency with the great coach, Gary Barnett. Uh, and I too, truly believe that Colorado has the right guy in Carl Durrell and Coach Wilson being back in that room, I know it's like a second homecoming to him. 
he's a Sooner at heart as he played at Oklahoma, but I know that he bleeds black and gold on top of that. Um, I, I do believe that that consistency is coming back to Boulder and the winning ways will come back to Boulder as well. And I'm excited to see if they can pull off a huge win against Texas. Uh, we're not going to do another turning point until they play. It'll be after Christmas. So it'll be somewhere around the new year. Uh, and episode 100 is coming up here on, on McChesney on Chainsaw. I don't know what we're going to do for the show, but you make it 100 episodes and got to do something special. So episode 97 should be good next week. Uh, the Mike Lotus episode, if you don't know who Mike Lotus is, shame on you. Fan. Um, wrapping up the show today, college football playoff. Um, if I'm Texas A&M, I'm livid. I, I, they deserve to be in the playoff. I know that Notre Dame beat Clemson. I get it. I've also watched Notre Dame shit on themselves consistently in these games. And I think Alabama is going to be – just look, they're 20-point dogs. Lay the points. Lay the fucking points, okay? Notre Dame is going to get ran. Uh, Clemson-Ohio State's going to be a war. Um, that is a rematch of last year's playoff game, which Clemson came back and won, and Ohio State really screwed that up. That's going to be a great game. I just don't know if Ohio State has the toughness from a, an, a battle of attrition that the season gives you. You know, Clemson has lost and rebounded, and Ohio State's played once in six weeks. So that that I don't like Ohio State being in the playoff. I don't like Notre Dame being in the playoff. I wish that they would have given it to Texas A&M and, I don't know, maybe Cincinnati this year. I, I don't know. It, to be completely honest with you, they could have done a two-team playoff this year. Alabama and Clemson are playing for the title. So that's going to be an, another rematch. And you know what? Until somebody in college football figures out how to beat these two consistently, it should be the goddamn title game. Um, lastly, I want to shine some light on the, what, 26 kids that signed national letters of intent. Uh, to go play Division One and One AA D two football, we've got another signing day in February. But I, you know, we put twenty seven out last year. We put another twenty some odd out on uh, on what was it last week? Some point I can't even remember what signing day was. It's been going on for four days now. But I just want to shine a light to the Boise State three: Keaton Dudley, Shalen Depot, and Corey Kringlin all going to Boise State. Trey Zoom goes to Texas A and M, one of the best linemen I've ever worked with. Trevin Howe goes to Nevada. Northern Colorado brings in Wilson Clark and James Breshard, uh, two big offensive linemen. Colorado State brings in Dante Davis, Caden Dollar, JT Axelrod, and Joey Teresha. New Mexico State brings in Anthony Ticotti, Cornell, Ivy League, bitch. Ty Sharico goes to the Ivy League. Fresno State brings in Brent Braylon Nelson, who was a CU commit at one point. We're losing guys to Fresno State. That ain't good. Uh, Air Force brings in my man, Arian Burr, big linebacker from the Air Academy. And Colorado brings in four Dungeon family Trustin Oliver, Chase Penry, Jordan Worthington, and Mason Maddox is going to play defensive line for Coach Wilson. And that's just the tip of the iceberg is there's about 20 other kids that are going to be signing in February. That'll put us at around 35 to 40 kids this year. So, look, you got to think to yourself, if you're a parent out there in COVID and your kid can play and he's sitting in your fucking basement right now wondering how, get off your ass, figure out how to get into 6-0 Academy, and work your ass off and walk the bridge and you'll go play college football for free. Or I'll run your ass out of the room and you can go be a fucking banker. Either way it works. This is episode 96. I am your host, Matt McChesney. Thank you so much to everybody back at DNVR for all their hard work. Allie, you are the shit. 
Uh, big thanks to Gary Barnett for coming on the show. That was the highlight of my day for sure to see my ex-coach and, and uh, talk a little bit of shop. Go Buffs. Let's definitely get a win over the hated Texas Longhorns. Take it back to the Big 12. And uh, let's really hope the Broncos drop their next two. Merry Christmas, everybody.